Thank you for downloading this Freedom Fellowship Midweek Podcast, where we share real stories about your lives regarding faith in Jesus Christ and what He is currently doing in our lives. On this episode, we'll talk with Tom Doty about his prayerful decision to start Freedom Fellowship nearly 20 years ago. We'll discuss the origins of the church, how it has changed over the years, as well as what the future holds for Freedom Fellowship. So we are here today with Mr. Tom Doty, the founder and president, CEO, whatever you want to call it, of Freedom Fellowship. So Tom, thanks for being here. First of all, uh, when we talk about uh, Freedom Fellowship, it's it's something all of us have, have come to know and come to love. Can you kind of take us through kind of your and Karen's journey about what want, what led you to want to start Freedom Fellowship? Sure, I'll go back to your uh, original opening in a moment if I don't have a, a senior moment. But uh, we'd, we've been uh, in Kansas, Missouri, Texas, and Arkansas, two different places in Arkansas, and, and uh, we came here in 1995, and we became part of a really a startup church at the time. And uh, we were part of that body for eight years, and, and uh, really the only church, frankly, that we ever left. The other times we relocated and had to find new church homes. But at that point in time, we felt like it was time for us to, uh, to look for some other options, let's say. And so uh, we did like a lot of people. Uh, we, you know, we're church visitors, so each and every Sunday, we would try to decide where we would go try. You know, there's churches every place in northwest Arkansas. And so each week we went uh, to a new place. Sometimes we'd go back twice trying to understand where God might have us because we're not great pew sitters. We want to be involved and and uh, and really have the opportunity to, to, to be in the ministry process. So we... Uh, we had done that we had gone on a trip to uh, phoenix to see my sister and we were sitting in a sanctuary and this is after several months of us kind of migrating from church to church as we did our search and i asked karen uh, as before church started and i asked my wife i said if we were to start a church what do you think that would look like and uh, she looked a little startled and uh, and it was startling to me to even hear it come out of my mouth frankly and so uh, she she said, have you really thought that? And so I said, yeah, uh, I have to admit that I keep thinking maybe the reason that God has us on this constant journey of looking for this new home is maybe we're supposed to create a new home. And so uh, she admitted that, you know, that even though neither one of us has said it to each other, that we both had had the same kind of thoughts. Right. But we knew it was ludicrous. I mean, I'm in my mid-50s. We've got a business that is 50 hours, 50, 60 hours a week. Uh, our kids are grown by that time, but still, uh, we had a full plate, so it didn't seem reasonable that God would say, oh, yeah, why don't you guys step out and do this? And so we uh, we laid a fleece. You can read about Gideon. You can do that and find it. But, one of the, but the fleece was basically neither Karen or I have any kind of music skills. We couldn't imagine that you just have a straight-up church with either just preaching or teaching or just kind of a wall-to-wall Sunday school thing. It needed music, and we really feel like that's how you amplify God's uh, God himself is that time, is that worship in, in music. And so we just we told each other, we won't say anything to anybody, but if God, if you really want us to do this, you bring somebody along who's capable of doing the music portion. And, uh, you know, and it's... Uh, as you and I entered a building, we talked about timing of things today. 
Justin, and uh, I thought it was interesting that uh, back then, uh, it seems like God tarries sometimes in his answers. Sometimes he doesn't. No real rhyme or reason to that in our minds. Right. But uh, literally the next week, uh, we had this gentleman come in, uh, part of a very qualified trio, and just said without any prompting, if you guys, if you and Tom ever decide to start a church, Karen, we would love to do your music. Wow. And so we thought, oh, my goodness, that was a little quicker than we thought and a lot more plain than we thought. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, um, with, without going through a lot of the detail, we uh, had some people that run churched at the time uh, because we really didn't want to be guilty of trying to pull people out of churches where they were doing in an effective ministry. And so we uh, we we met together for several months and and then decided that that there really was a go forward process for us to start a congregation so we did that out of our home for a while on sunday nights you know meeting in the garage and whatever else we did and then we uh, rented a uh, seventh day adventist uh, hispanic church on sundays and thursdays up in north springdale and that's kind of where we got our start mm-hmm. but you know from the start uh, justin we you you just, you talked about the you and I know you said it in jest, but the president, CEO, the founder thing that you mentioned as we started. But you know the reality for us was um, the church we th- looked at, and you know we're going through a study in Acts right now that people could go and catch up with us. We're in chapter fifteen, sixteen, talking about not, the Holy not, Spirit. Nice time. All yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just a great uh, coincidental yeah. thing. <laughs> but um, when we. Um, the whole idea, really, we went through the first study was in the Book of Acts in that new church in, in 2004. And uh, it was trying to say, what what should the church look like? Forget what your model is, what you grew up in, what the one down the street looks like, but what, would, what did the early church look like? And so we really did come out of the ground as a volunteer church, which we did for 17 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, so by doing that, uh, you know, admittedly, we had have leadership and things like that, but we did try to set it up so that the whole idea was for us to be a, uh, a volunteer church where we were a group of peers, even leadership, you know, even Peter, he was a leader among peers. He wasn't their boss, right? but he did assume a leadership position. He was a leader of the peers of that, that early group of apostles and disciples. And so for us, that was the same kind of position we took was... We had to provide some leadership until we could get a group in place to do that. And Karen and I tried to do that in that early time. And so I don't know where, how deep you want me to go, but I'll be quiet for a minute. Well, let me let me just ask a, a couple of follow-up questions. I sure. think people who are watching or are listening may have. What Take us through the prayer process of when you, when you got this, let's call it an inkling from mm-hmm. the Lord of, I, I think you want me to, to start my own church can you take us through that process and kind of what you were thinking of and and you said this that you throw a rock and and hit a church in in northwest arkansas right right what was that prayer process like were you resistant at all you and karen i don't know if resistant would be the word i would choose uh but we were sure thoughtful about it because it like I say earlier, just uh, age, uh, you know, I, I'm not a seminary trained pastor, even though I've been 
in church leadership since I was 21 or 22 years old, literally. And uh, so, but I, but uh, it, it needed to be really clear to us because it didn't seem like the obvious choice, you know, that that would, that he'd call us to do that. Right. And so uh, a lot of, a lot of prayer went into it. I mentioned the fleece about uh, the music, but then, you know, even when we met with those early 25 adults or something that we met with uh, on, a, on a weekly basis, you know, that was our prayer. Our prayer wasn't, let's go start a church. But our prayer really was, is this really what you want us to do? Is, uh, you know, because the last thing we really wanted to do was to edify ourselves. Right. And so the whole goal was to say, you know, God, if this is the path, and, you know, amazingly, when you look back, uh, whether it was finding a place, you know, in that early church, uh, you know, I had a contractor come into the our business and was talking, and, and I was telling him we were looking for a place, and he said, well, I, I might know of a place. And he said, because I know there's a church up on the north side that really needs help because they can't hardly keep their doors open financially. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a wonderful thing for us because in the early days we struck a deal with them we rented the church and over the course of a year and a half we put twenty thousand dollars in that building it was kind of our first mission outreach uh because we put a new roof on it did a lot of stuff inside things that that the church sorely needed we didn't we knew we'd never collect on that that wasn't our goal but it was to help them in the event because they were you know really good solid people and trying to chase the Lord as they understood it, you know. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about kind of the, the structure of, uh, and, and you had, had talked a little bit about this earlier, about the, the leadership structure and, and things like that. Why was that so important to you when you started this church, that it, that it be about peers and not about um, what we see in, in modern churches today, which is you have... Um, the, the pastor, the lead pastor or the senior pastor, who is essentially the CEO to where they, um, you know, things run downhill and, sure. and that sort of thing. So why, why did you want freedom to be different from that? Well, um, to, to start with, I guess, really, in my simple mind, you have two types of processes. You're either going to have a, a pastor-led church or you're going to have some uh, – guiding group whether it's elders or a deacon group whatever you want to call them but you're going to have one of those two things that's going to happen and uh you know uh, and i'm i'm not throwing rocks at pastor-led churches good night they they do wonderful work uh but uh, i felt like that that wasn't what i saw in acts you know because it talks about that they went around and they appointed elders in the church and they go to great lengths and several passages in Timothy and different places that describe what that what the elders should look like and talking about that church leadership model so we were drawn largely to that we read we read a, a book and I, I don't know that I can pull the name the Gates Gets was the author G-A-E-T-Z I think but it was about I think it was called Elders and Leaders and we read that uh, the early are some of our early guys in the church and ladies and what it did is it kind of painted the the case for uh, an elder-led church, and uh, you know, it just seemed to line up so closely uh, with uh, kind of our tenants. And again, our thought was is that really, if we would just go out and do what we're supposed to in our normal daily life, do we really need to go hire a bunch of people to do that for us? 
And in the in those early days, we thought, no, not really. You know, we just pray, God, you bring us the talent, and you put the pieces together. And then we got the the exciting part is we got to watch him do all that. You know, mm-hmm. as he as he kind of met our needs, just kind of step by step, trying not to get ahead of him. You know, to include you know us ultimately buying this flea market in 2005 and largely with volunteer help remodel it to become the home that you're sitting in today were there any initial goals that that you set out because you are a a leader in business you are a business owner that you always set goals um, for yourself whether it's personal goals uh, business goals that sort of thing but from a, a church standpoint did you set out uh, and write down, we want to be this by this date, this by this date, or any kind of long-term plan? I'm probably really bad at that. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, you know, the um, because we really didn't know in the early days, we didn't know what it what God to be up to and what he'd amounted to. And, you know, and we've, you know, we're no different than any church body. We're just, we're a band of humans. And so, you know, we've, we've had some ups, we've had some downs uh, that the stuff happens, but, but as far as, um, attendance goals and, you know, uh, you know, we do believe in membership, but, um, but we believe in membership, I think for some different reasons, we think because it's, you need to be an accountable part of the body. And, and when we come to points where we have to make decisions, you need to be a member to be a part of that decision process. But, um, but we take it probably more lightly than a lot of churches do, which becomes some kind of a badge you wear that you're a member of X, Y, and Z. But no, I, I think for us, um, and it is, I admit, probably more of my nature. Um, I, I made a statement one time to a guy interviewing. I, he was asking uh, about my job, and I said, well, you know, the funny thing about my job is that out of the last six positions I've held, that five of them didn't exist before I took them, and uh, and and I I look I kind of look at church that way. I just think, okay, God, this is yours to develop. It's yours to figure out what to do with, and we'll just try to be faithful and listen the best we understand, and pray that the Holy Spirit will be with us as we move. So, in the the seventeen years, because we we just celebrated, I think it's seventeen years. Uh, Either I'm not a eighteen, uh, little over eighteen, yeah, little over eighteen. May of uh, May of two thousand four was our original, our first worship service on a Sunday morning, which is kind of when we constitute ourselves, and so we just crossed in twenty twenty two, crossed the eighteenth year. Eighteenth year, yeah. uh, I'm never good at math. Seventeen, by the way. In, seventeen yeah. in this building, though. That's probably what you're thinking. Okay, yeah, we'll we'll go with that. But, yep, uh, make w- it feel w- better. Yeah, when you're doing doing church as as Freedom Fellowship. Can you talk us through the process of you You can go to the church down the street and see what they're doing and, and kind of draw inspiration uh, in a positive way, but you could also um, go and look at other churches and not to throw stones at them, but you can learn what not to do. Can you, as freedom was kind of taking shape, can you take us through that process and talk a little bit about how you drew inspiration from other churches and how that fit Freedom, freedom Fellowship? Yeah, we uh, uh, grew up in a Disciples of Christ Christian church in a, with a mama that made sure you were there every week. And uh, then when Karen and I, we made a move and stayed in that. But then when we moved to Texas, we were part of a Baptist church. And and so 
the main thing we were trying to do is figure out how do I get connected with the body that lines up what I believe scripture says about how we're supposed to live our life and the decisions and accountability. And so, um, you know, we, so, but we migrated over decades as a family uh, through churches. And it's, it's kind of like business. I've found that when I've worked for leaders, it seems like that I've, I've taken one of two things from their leadership. I've seen things that, that I really liked what they did. And if I ever had a chance, I wanted to emulate that. And then I saw people that I didn't respect very much. And I thought, if I'm ever in that position, I will never do that. And so really, as we've migrated from uh, state to state and church to church, and we've probably been, I don't know, in, in our 50 years of adult life together, uh, we've probably been in half a dozen churches. We were always there for long periods of time. It was never like, you know, changing shirts and leave because somebody spoke ill to me. But when um, I think that, so what we got was kind of an amalgamation of watching things that seemed to work and then watching things that didn't. And then even in the three or four months that we migrated around here, just church shopping, quote unquote, uh, we even saw things that that we noticed. An example would be uh, we had family with us at one church one time and and it was probably 13 or 15 of us. I mean, it, our family had come to town and we all went to church and it took up a better part of two rows. And, and we had one person speak to us, which was to tell us that they were proudly announced. They didn't know, care who we were, but they wanted to make sure we knew they were a charter member of that church. Mm. And so you, you see things like that and, you, and so they become a part of what do, you, what do you want your church to look like? You know, really when you go out and I, I uh, would attend things in Fort Worth or different places at church conferences, uh, especially in those early days, and and you know volunteer my dime, you know all that kind of thing you do. It's a volunteer church, but one of the things that uh, that I thought was interesting, if I sat down at the table with six pastors. I felt pretty quickly like I was the outcast because they would start asking me where I was from and. I would say, well, I'm a so-and-so. It's a volunteer church in northwest Arkansas. And then they figured out how to turn and start talking to somebody else because yeah. they're thinking, no, wait, wait, we, we get paid for all this stuff. Right. And I'm not saying that's a negative thing at all. And like I say, we called you as a paid person. I'm proud we did that. But, uh, but, I, but I think so often that church people want to hand off their responsibility to paid staff members and then point at them and say, well, why didn't you do your job? Well, it's all of our jobs. How has freedom changed over the years? I, I know that's a very, very broad and loaded question, but how have you seen when you kind of take a take an inventory 18 years ago, you know, we, we started this thing. How has it changed uh, from your perspective over the years? Well, I think uh, probably one of the things, uh, and, and I guess a lot of churches face it, none of us like it much, but the uh, demographically when we started of course we were a younger church we had a lot of young families uh involved we've you know let's use the word matured a little bit as a church and so uh we're we're always grappling with uh, and i don't want to use the word relevance because that sounds like a social word or something right but we're but we are always grappling with um 
how do we provide uh, the level of community, the level of connectivity to our young families, to our children, uh, to our youth? And you know, when you're in a small congregation, it's a it's a battle because you're. Uh, what happens is a lot of times people match you up with all the things that big churches can do. You know, they've got four buses going somewhere or doing this, and those are uh, those are sometimes challenges for us and something that we work hard on. But but I think probably demographically is some change we've had from a point of uh, rotational pulpits. You know, that's something we've done since the first. And, uh, you know, we have anywhere from, depending on through the years, we have anywhere from two to four of us that, that spend our time on the platform. And I think um, that in itself is, at least, that's a constancy. Now, admittedly, we've had different faces through the years, but it's a constancy of, uh, of that. So I, don't, I, I can't point at a lot of things uh, because I don't think our heart is different. I don't think our goals are different. I think we still uh, we still want to be that, um, I call it a classless church or a church without class. And uh, that can sound a little negative, but the point being is that churches have personalities. And I remember years ago, we were in Springfield, Missouri at the time, and Karen's dad went to church with us. And, and when we left, and he was a, a custom harvester, farmer if you will and when we left he made a statement that was very telling he said there wasn't a lot of people like me in there oh you know and that's you know that's uh, something I think that from a perspective of, of the church that we're trying to figure out how not to be we don't want to be a church of the haves or the church of the have-nots but really a church of believers that comes together and we all look alike and 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 see each other with that same kind of dignity. So one of the one of the things that I hear the most <clears throat> often, and, and when Whitney and I came actually two years ago uh, this summer uh, to visit Freedom for the first time, I I saw it, she saw it, and then the the people who are new to Freedom Fellowship when they come in, the the thing that I hear the most often is you're authentic you're not trying to be mm, good word. someone else. Yeah, good you're word. not trying to, you know, keep up with the Joneses. You're not trying to, right. you know, look a, a certain way, but it's, it's truly displaying the authentic love of Christ that like what you were saying, and I'll kind of piggyback on that is a bunch of imperfect people getting together, wor- worshiping a perfect savior and doing that with the best of intentions. You ought to be a preacher. Uh, you know, I, I might do that. I might find a church in Northwest Arkansas and do that. But um, it it really is that authentic Christianity, knowing that we do have limitations and, and blind spots and, and that kind of thing. But that the attitude really is, you know, truly authentic. So when when you hear things like that, how does that make you feel? Well, that was that would have sure been our goal to to have done that. Uh, you know, we didn't want to, you know, we've never, we've always hoped not to be pretentious. We've always hoped we would be welcoming. Uh, you know, the fact that somebody come and has a blemish on their character, has been down a bad road, has uh, lived a life filled of addiction, whatever those things are, that you, you know, that we still um, 
that we are authentic. You th- you, basically, you put yourself back in the position of uh, that Christ was in. The you know the woman at the well. You know that right. any any number of situations where he saw her completely different, and um, and that's what we that's really our hope is that when people come here they see us as an authentic church body, not judgmental, not rule based. Now now we have rules uh, because they're written down in scripture. Right. But but we try to stay away from what we would term the man made rules that uh, sometimes tend to fog things up and when you ask people where did that come from they don't really have good answers other than well that's our tradition you know so the last question i i have is is kind of looking towards the future you're 18 years in here at, at freedom fellowship what does the future look like for this church well that's a loaded question for an old guy you know i'm good at asking <laughs> loaded questions on here well uh you know, one of the things that we need to do and are working to do uh, is, and it's no different in any church, we have to raise up young leaders, men and women, children, youth, whatever those are, but we have to raise up uh, young leaders. And uh, I heard it said one time at a meeting I went to that your church will uh, tend to look like the people you have on stage. And so for us, it's... it's uh, it's trying to to realize that we this this the generation at hand the next generation that we want to be able to influence them and we want to be able to influence them not not necessarily by quote unquote old wise people but uh, but we want to be able to influence them with their peers and people that have strong faiths and people that stumble and get bloody noses and figure out how to dust herself off and so I think from our perspective, it's a, uh, I think we have a bright future, uh, but there's a lot of work to be done. One of the disappointments I think I have sometimes is that uh, it seems, and this may be unfair, but it seems easy sometimes for people to say, well, I'm going to pick up and I'm going to go somewhere else. And it's not really because any other church wants the person more, but they feel like they'll fit in better or maybe there's more things to offer. And I wish sometimes that uh, in our Christian life we would say, okay, you know, I want something bad enough to fight for it. And I don't mean fight with a big F, but I'm talking about uh, that I'll be the one to, to supply the elbow grease. I'll get in there and pitch. I'll, I'll, I'll get in there and help do the heavy lifting and do the work. Sure. And we'll make things better together. You know, that's, that's something I would hope that's in our future, that's in our DNA, that we're, that we're not easy giver-uppers. All right, anything else you want to add? No, I've appreciated the opportunity and come in and tell the story and something I really believe in. Awesome. Well, thank you so much yeah. for being here. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com and you can search for us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.